you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. Hi there, I'm your host, Naomi Rotenberg, and today we're talking to another pet professional about how they've used their expertise to manage their relationships between their own pets. Let's get started. Our guest today is Jackie Moyano, who owns Behavior United Dog Behavior and Training in Washington, D.C., or really Silver Spring, Maryland. Jackie started out as a respiratory therapist, but was inspired by her cat to change careers and work with animals. Jackie's done a lot of work with different species. She's completed three of Pat Miller's training academies, attended Ken Ramirez's animal training seminar at Shedd Aquarium, attended Sue Sternberg's Eden internship working with Alaskan Husky sled dogs, and completed all five Bailey Farhoodie chicken (laughs) workshops where she practiced training skills with chickens. Jackie actively pursues continuing education and recently added a separation anxiety credential, SA Pro, to her name. Jackie's training partners are her Siamese cat, Slinky, and her Dachshund Terrier mix, Arrow. Hi, Jackie. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Thank you for having me. I think it's so great because you started out with your cat and then transitioned into dogs, which is often not the direction that people go. So... I'm excited to talk to you about that. But before we dive into stories about your pets and their behavior, let's do a really quick icebreaker so we can all get to know you and to just have a little bit of fun. Okay? Sounds great. All right. So we're going to play two rounds of rapid fire categories. So I'll name a category and then we'll go back and forth quickly trying to come up with examples of the category until one of us screws up. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. The first category is dog breeds that come in different colors. Oh, French bulldogs. Okay. Labs. Great Danes. Border Collies. That's a good one. Dachshunds. Dang, that was going to be mine. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. I know. Um, no. Um, shoot. No, I came up with these categories. What's wrong? <laughs> Who, the doodles have different coats, I guess. They do. Yeah. And their noses, apparently. Yes, uh, the red nose. <laughs> um, Shivas. Oh, that's a good one. I just saw those today, actually. Huskies. There we go. Good. That's a good one. Um, trying to think of friends' dogs. Oh, goodness. Let me think. Everyone playing along. I know. Like, they're, they're, all, they're all yelling stuff. They're all yelling stuff right now. And I'm like, yes, of course I should have thought of that. Gosh, I'm only thinking like golden retrievers right now, but clearly that's not the answer. <laughs> um, I mean, there are flat coats that have different That's colors, true. But that's not true. as much. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that came to my mind is schnauzers, mm. but I think we're both, that was a pretty good round. That okay. was good. High good. five. Good. High five. <laughs> okay. All right. So the next category is enrichment toys or food puzzles. Ooh, good. And one. this can be for both cats and dogs. Okay. Okay. Brand names are allowed. Okay. <laughs> this isn't like a Scrabble. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. I will start. Okay. Uh, flirt poles. Ooh, that's a good one. The topple. Kong Wobbles. Oh, that's a good one. The Pet Tutor. 
know. Licky mats. Doc and Phoebe's, and I think it's called Your Cat is Not a Dog. There are these mice-like things that you fill the kibble in. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. Um, I, I often fill them with kibble and then just throw them across the room. But let's see. The snuffle mats. I'm going with the mats. That's good. Um, let's do the, have you seen the Licky Bowls? Mm. Those are really cool. Yes. I have. They can yeah. hold lots of gross things. Oh, the quizzles. Oh, those are good. The chase and chomp, which suction cups to a wall or a appliance, and then mm-hmm. it, you can stuff it. I love that to keep dogs or cats in place while you, while they get enriched. <laughs> ah, I like that a lot. So this is not an item, but a treat scatter. Yes, love a treat scatter. Big fan of the treat scatter. How about just a toilet paper roll? (laughs) Yay. Okay, now we're getting into the whole anything can be enrichment. That's Um, right. Okay, I love it. I love it. The, what's it called? The, I'm picturing it. It's the orange ball with, looks like the moon with the craters. Oh, the Omega treat ball. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Love that one. It's and good because it doesn't make a lot of noise. That's right. I also like the the brown sh- the reams of brown paper that come in pack in boxes. I love to scatter kibble in there too for both the cat and the dog. Yeah. Yes. Insert recyclables here. Pretty uh, much. Pretty <laughs> much. Yes. Anything cardboard. Yeah. Okay. For. All the people we should, I should do like a enrichment specific episode giving me an idea, but tug toys. Oh yeah. Let's see. Oh, laser pointer for cats. I don't like it for dogs, but for cats. Yeah. Uh, Bird feeders. Oh, that's a good one. Let's see. Oh, so in that realm, in the front of my house, I throw out all my compost stuff because my dog can't get to it in the front of the house. And Mm -hmm. then that does attract squirrels and critters that come up and also enrich our animals <laughs> yes love some critters yeah um well you have a terrier also i mean i'm sure we'll talk about that yes so, yes um terriers will do what terriers will do does a long line count like for a decompression so. walk yeah i love a long line for sure why not um I'm trying to think i have this mushroom th- looking thing you put I use for my cat, you put the kibble in there and then it kind of wobbles and he bats out the food there. You're doing really well with this. I'm running out. I'm trying to think of cat specific. Oh, Durface, cat trees and scratchers. Yes. Any like environmental changes um, in your home. Yes. I recently um, kind of switched up where I put the the beds um, next to heat vents and in sunny spots and the cat is thanking me for that. <laughs> I think I think that's pretty good. I mean, we could keep going. I think that's good. Yeah. That's pretty good. We hit a lot of different <laughs> modalities of enrichment. We didn't do scent really. But that's sometimes really hard to yeah. kind of figure out how to do unless you're actively doing nose work and stuff. But that's a different episode. So excellent icebreaker slash in in you know educational experience <laughs> for everybody. Let's get into the meat of it, Jackie. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your animals and kind of who they are as individuals and how they came to be in your house. And we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah. Slinky, he's an old man kitty. He's about 12 years old now. I adopted him back in 2010. No, excuse me. 
Yeah, 2010. He was about a year and a half old back then. We had survived this kitchen renovation during the snowmageddon when it kept getting put off and put off. And what was only supposed to take a few months took half a year that we didn't have a kitchen. We were living in a one-bedroom condo. My reward for myself was I wanted a companion animal. My husband wanted a flat screen TV. We, we both won, but because we lived in, on the eighth floor of a condo, my husband was like, let's go cat, not dog. And I was not a trainer back then. I was working in healthcare and I thought, all right, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So we got the cat. Then fast forward three years later, well, I should back up. The cat had some behavior challenges. So a part of our kitchen renovation was open shelves and our cat would jump up there and knock glasses off the shelves. Okay. That's not great. But then he would try and eat the glass real dangerous. So I started, I did what anybody does. I just started Googling. I found this think like a cat book by Pamela Johnson Bennett. Mm -hmm. I read through that who knew cats needed mental stimulation and enrichment? Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't. I changed up my routine, what I was doing. And lo and behold, it helped immensely and helped improve the cat's behavior. And that really rewarded me and reminded me that, hey, when I was little, I really wanted to work with animals, but I went the human healthcare path. So I cold called some trainers and I cold called some vet techs and I shadowed both, figured I actually uh, preferred training at the time, then realized, oh, I also need a dog now. <laughs> so <laughs> our condo had a weight limit, about 20, 25 pounds. So I met Arrow at the shelter. She's a Dachshund Terrier mix. This was in 2013. And we ended up keeping her. So yeah, I had the cat first. The cat's behavior issues inspired me to become a trainer. And then I got the dog. So Slinky would have been four or five-ish almost when Arrow came. Yes. And... It was Arrow a puppy or? So I was told she was three years old, but behaviorally speaking, she was probably more around eight months old. Ah, yes. When an I... adolescent terrier. Yes. An adolescent okay. terrier. Yes. Perfect. Perfect to, to add to a, to a cat household. Right. Yes. So how did that go? What did you do? How, what worked? What didn't? Here we are. Yes. So... <laughs> It was a one-bedroom condo, pretty open concept. We did a baby gate so that the cat could get away. The cat kind of had access to the litter box and a safe space where the dog could not get to. We really had to teach. The dog needed to learn to not chase the cat. And the cat needed to learn, if I'm being chased, I need to stop. Because when I stop, the dog will stop. So that was like the big thing. And I was still a brand new, like still learning type of trainer. And so I called on other trainers for help. And what they recommended was uh, a long leash under the leg of a sofa so that anytime the cat came in the room, if I could get the dog in time, leash her up, feed her for just looking at the cat, staying calm and not chasing. And, and that really did work over time that the dog learned to 
not chase the cat kind of learned how to control the dog by moving differently not running as much or as excited so it all kind of smoothed out but yes there were definitely some growing pains there (laughs) was there ever a concern for anyone's safety not really arrow was never exhibited predatory behavior towards the cat so if anything, the cat was disgruntled to have this new thing around. Arrow wanted to play with Slinky, but Slinky really didn't didn't want anything to do with her in that way. <laughs> so it sounds like they got to kind of a truce and they were able to be in the same area without the shit yes, hitting the fan. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> were they were they friends? Have they become friends or are they still just kind of like, we're roommates, it's fine. Yeah, they're definitely in the roommate zone. I feel like they're more friends now or maybe that's just my wishful thinking. But no, like when I bring her in from the outside, Slinky greets us at the door and sniffs her. There's some loosely affiliative behavior, but nothing. They're not, they're not big like snuggle buddies. Of course, Arrow would you know, never chooses to snuggle up with any other animal besides a person. And the cat doesn't go and seek her out to nap next to. So I'd say they're, they're roommates and maybe somewhat friends. <laughs> yeah. Love it. You can't really ask for more. The ex, any like fully affiliative friendly behavior I always find is like, yes, super exactly. Bonus. I just, I just needed them to tolerate each other, everybody to be safe and uh, not stressed. And that's kind of where we are. So now that you're not as newbie of a trainer, and you have the magic of hindsight Uh being 2020. um, Is there anything that you might have done differently when bringing Arrow in? Yeah, I probably would have done a a slower introduction because of our space constraint. I kind of felt pressure like to make this work pretty quickly. I'm a big fan of slow introductions. I would have probably trained Arrow in some basic manners, solid basic manners first before introducing her to the cat face-to-face versus just scent exchange and all of that stuff. For sure. But yeah, I mean, it is, as I'm sure, like it's a, it takes time and slow is smooth and smooth is fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people have magical animals that, if they don't get along immediately, they just kind of muddle through and figure it out mm-hmm. um, kind of on their own. But a lot of times things can could have been improved and made even less stressful if you had done it slightly differently, slower. They wouldn't have had to figure it out on their own. They, totally, you would totally. have been guiding them through it a little bit more. Yeah. And we can always, even if we know what we're doing, like it never works out the way we So plan. true. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and even in my daily life now, what I'm like thinking about, I still have some management around. My animals have been living together, oh God, three different, four different houses, eight years together, something. I mean, it's been a long time and they're definitely friends. Yeah. But I still have management. Like just in case my cat, if he wants space, mm-hmm. I will close a door or I will close a baby gate. I also have the kids who are annoying to the cat. But it's like, even if I say, oh, I could have handled that better. Yes. Like real life happens, right? And especially if you are just getting to know this new dog, we don't know what skills she has under her belt or not. So how have you transitioned 
into training full time? Do you do some work with cats? Yes. So yeah, the majority of my clients are dogs. I think cat people are less likely to reach out for professional help or there's just like less no it's just less well known but certainly I do I have a cat client coming up in a couple days but I I have had cat only clients I've also had cat dog relation clients as well I do doing that work most people don't want to hear about how long it could take or how you kind of have to move you have to really have to move at the animal's pace and sometimes the animal's pace is slower than what we would like our pace to be so one yeah for sure yeah and that's one of the reasons that like the program that I have is a membership like subscription based right because I'm developing a new course for 2022. Everyone be excited, which includes three months of my, like the club subscription, because I find that three months is kind of where you start to see like a lot of really good progress and three months where people are like, Oh God, that is so long. I'm like, that is not that long. (laughs) No, not at all. That is a drop in the bucket. Oh good. I can't wait to to hear more about that. Oh, we can definitely talk about that. But I find like on average, like three to six months, you tend to get to a pretty good spot and then it goes up and up from there. Exactly. But I've had people working for a year longer. Yes. You're not at the same, like, fully management level as you were from day one. Right. But everyone wants to get to a point where they feel comfortable, not necessarily leaving them alone, but not having that gut feeling of I need to be constantly vigilant. Right. And it can take time to get there. Definitely. 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 You just don't, you want to get to the point where you don't have to suck in your breath and hold your breath because you're shocked the cat came in the room and what's going to happen next. Right, right. And it's that clip from the office where it's, it's happening. Yes, yes. You don't want that. You want to know. Manustations. Right, you've, you've, you've worked the, the, the battle stations enough that it kind of, everyone yes. kind of goes into autopilot and right. it's not right. unpredictable. So did you find, I mean, I know that you mentioned training Arrow on some basic manners would have been really helpful before introducing Slinky. Do you have an idea of kind of what behaviors you might have taught her or what you tend to recommend for people? Oh, for sure. So I'm a big fan of stationing. Go to your place and stay there. Mm -hmm. Both Slinky and Arrow know that. So I would recommend teaching that reliably in terms of challenging it with multiple distractions and still being a for your animal to be able to go to their place when you ask them to, Mm -hmm. because that can be a great redirection if you need to separate them quickly and their, their spot is out and available to them. Also targeting that can be a great little recall. Hey, come back to me, come or come and be right next to me. Mm -hmm. So those two I like as just general life and general skills, but also uh, directional cues that you can use as well. Yeah, for sure. Those tend to be really important. And I find that some people get confused between go to your bed and stay there as like a positive interrupter type cue that you were saying, you need to be separated. So go over there and hang versus settle on a mat, Mm -hmm. which can and often looks very different, right? If you go to go on cue to your mat and stay there, it's not usually a very relaxed behavior right. because they're waiting for that release cue. 
Yes. They're in the Sphinx position. They're like ready for the next, next thing that's about to happen. Right. Yeah. So I know how I teach the difference between, and I tend to think of it as working on this, the uncued settle where they're like, they're actually relaxed is more for the setups where like we're working them through their emotions about being together versus the go to your mat is used in like real life. Like stuff is happening. We need to address. Right. (laughs) Do you teach those two things differently to your clients? Yeah. So I, I like the animals to kind of be able to quote unquote, read the room and make good choices. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is, how we can live with our animals cooperatively. If they, if the animals are set up to volunteer good behavior, that at least makes my life a lot easier. And I I think it makes most clients life much easier. So I do a lot of capturing in that if you like where your dog is settled or your cat is settled right now, go over and give them some food. Case in point, when I'm prepping in the kitchen or cooking in the kitchen and I turn around my dog and cat have volunteered to settle on mats outside. They're just throw rugs. They're not for the animals. They're for mm-hmm. us. But they voluntarily <laughs> settle there. And in my mind, I think, okay, they're ordering takeout. And I'll take a piece of animal safe, whatever I'm cooking, and bring it to them and feed them on their mats or on those rugs in that settle position to say, yeah, give me more of that. That's great. You see me in the kitchen and you want to volunteer that behavior. That is wonderful because that's one less micromanagement step I need to take. Yeah, for sure. I love, and so many people are not able to see those kind of quiet, good behaviors until you tell them to look for them because they're not as annoying (laughs) as jumping on the cat or screaming. (laughs) Yes. The annoying behaviors always get our attention, but the the nice behaviors, the cooperative behaviors get ignored and we kind of have to flip that. Mm -hmm. Stupid human perceptive. (laughs) Why don't we care about silence more? Yeah. It's really hard to actively remind yourself to realize that 95% of the time your animals are doing good stuff. Either they're sleeping (laughs) because luckily animals have to sleep more than we do. Yes. Or they're making some pretty good choices because if you can count on your two hands, how many knockdown drag out issues you've had during the day, Uh then in between those, they've been probably making some pretty good choices that you could have (laughs) picked out and reinforced. That's right. Yeah. So the more you reinforce, you find and reinforce those mini good decisions, you're less likely to have big problems. Exactly. Exactly. Capture the good. That's for sure. So management makes it much easier to capture the good. And I know you wanted to talk about kind of the different types of management that you've been playing around with and how they factor into your life with your animals and also what you've been suggesting to your clients. Yes. So One issue we have, this is no secret, dogs love cat food. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anyone's shocked about that, but dogs are obsessed, at least in my experience, with cat food. 
And when we feed our cat, of course, our dog is chomping at the bit to get to that bowl. And since Slinky is getting older, we don't want him to have to be stressed or feel like he has to defend himself when he's eating. So we've set up lots of different management options. And basically, it's whatever I am in the mood for that day or whatever I have energy left for that day. So one thing is... Arrow goes into our fenced-in backyard, and Slinky gets started on his food. We feed Slinky out of a bowl, but the bowl is placed in the bottom of one of those kitty condos, so his body is actually blocking his head where his where he's eating. So that kind of helps him kind of defend his area. If Arrow comes back in before Slinky is finished, feeding her out of a food puzzle, that slows her down. And then if I can keep an eye on her, I ask her to go to a mat, which is near where Slinky is and do a downstay, wait for Slinky to leave, then I will release her and she can go lick his bowl. If she needs more enrichment on the mat, she's really not settled. I'll give her another food puzzle there, or I'll call her downstairs or into another room. Sometimes I'll just feed Slinky in a whole other room and shut the door when I don't have time to kind of manage both animals. So lots of different, it's just what I have the energy for that day. If I have time to actually actively train it, I will do, Arrow's got to wait, and then I release her to go get the bowl, but it just kind of depends on what I have the energy for that day. So do you find that, I mean, so you could universally just say, okay, they're going to eat in separate rooms and never have to think about it. Yes. Do you find that there is a benefit to having kind of different options, different routines that you're playing around with? Yeah. So for me, it's just about what do do I, do I feel like going downstairs and getting all the the stuff down there? For me, it's just what I'm in the mood to do that day. (laughs) But yes. And yeah, it's just what I'm in the mood for that day. (laughs) We, a lot of, especially our plus based trainers think a lot about what is good for the animals and less about what the humans, what is easy for them to do. Right. And I feel like if you have multiple options to give people where it's, if you just got home, everything, you're exhausted, just throw them in two separate rooms. Don't worry about it. Sit on the couch. Exactly. If you, if it's a weekend and you are wanting to work on some stuff, here's your option to do there. So I think that's great. I think we should all do that of have plan A, plan B. And I think personally for the animals, it is useful to also have them have these different setups that are fairly predictable in and of themselves. Right. But it gives them a different type of opportunity to use their normal routines as training opportunities or setups. So like mealtimes, one of my favorite like lazy person setups is just putting a barrier in between and having one animal be as far away from the other one and they're just eating their food right like as long as they're able to both eat comfortably and they're not stressed hunkered down or whatever like that is a beautiful hands-off setup between the two animals to have to foster positive emotions around each other you could get fancier you could have someone doing a relaxation protocol with one animal while the other one is you know right right sometimes it's just well they gotta eat so we might yeah. as well <laughs> we might as well use it as a positive interaction between them. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah. So I think that's great. Thank I love you. that. I should come up with some different ways. Right now, my cat, he has an automatic feeder for various reasons, which I can go into in a second, but it's up on my dresser. Um, okay. And I do because dogs love cat food, but I should actually change this up because my cat is also getting older. He's about 12. My dog is also getting older. I don't want to talk about it. I'm very upset about these, that they're both old men. Yes. But I've started seeing him like missing his jumps sometimes, like up Mm -hmm. to his feeder. Right. And I don't want him to have to physically strain himself in order to get to his food. Right. Um, So I will have to pretty soon start thinking about ways to make sure that the dog can't get to the cat food, but the cat's food is readily available for him. Right. Um, so there won't be the option of releasing Ori to go get the cat food. Yeah. Like you have in your right. house. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he just goes to, or excuse me, Arrow, she just goes to lick the bowl. She's not really getting much of anything. She would like to chow down on his food, but yeah. yeah I mean, I am guilty of sometimes using cat kibble as dog treats because it's just higher in protein. Mm-hmm. which is probably why dogs go absolutely crazy for it. Yes. That's a good that's a good pro tip everybody. Cat kibble is smaller than dog kibble <laughs> usually and makes some pretty good some cookies for. Now I have to assign myself a new management setup for that. So, in terms of Arrow, do you find I mean you mentioned that she doesn't have a lot of predation tendencies, which mm-hmm. is interesting as a dog Terrier. Well, for in, inside the house with the cat, she doesn't. She, uh, yeah, critters be aware outside the house. <laughs> <laughs> she has she has murderized many a rabbit and mouse and bird and all of that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so she has murderized animals. Yes. So very good, Doxy Terrier. Good job, Arrow. Not so great for the critters. Yeah. A lot of people are very scared if their dogs have previously hurt other small animals that they won't be able to live along with the cat. Obviously that's not true in your case. What do you tell people? How do you kind of parse those things apart? Yeah, it doesn't always transfer to indoor pets, other indoor pets. I would say even if there's predation outside against rats, maybe you can have an indoor rat and the dog can learn because it's all context, right? This animal's Mm -hmm. inside, we're treating it kindly, and it's part of our family. And of course, you can train and counter condition all of that as well. So yeah, I don't think having that predatory behavior outside per se is a deal breaker for other mammals or animals inside the home. I think every case is different, just like dogs Mm -hmm. who've been cat tested and are deemed cat safe that's really only for that one cat that doesn't Mm -hmm. always mean your dog's going to come home to your house and not bother your cats so it's really case by case based i think yeah definitely especially cat testing and all of that that's a thing (laughs) but a lot of people say okay well my dog was in foster with in a house that has cats and therefore they're good with cats. That's probably like one of the best indicators Mm -hmm. that you can have. But 
<laughs> it depends a lot on a how stressed and kind of shut down the dog was in the foster, right. how long they were there, the personalities of those foster cats, yes. whether there were other dogs there that were kind of modeling appropriate behavior, and also if the dog had lived with cats previously in their like old home, did they grow up with them as a puppy? Right. Because if they did, and then they meet a new cat when they're three, I mean, all bets are off there. Like you were saying, context specific, Mm -hmm. right? If they grew up with a particular animal, they don't know that cat is the same as this other cat. And they're not the same. Cats are just, they can just act so differently. Definitely. Even if you have, so I have a client who has, oh gosh, let's see. So three dogs and now three cats. There were four cats. And one of the cats acts completely differently depending on which dog she's Oh, wow. Interesting. Like with one of them, she's like, back off. Yeah. Other one she wants to snuggle with. And with the third one, she could care less. Yeah. Like it's just, it's fascinating. It's so interesting. They, They can read each other much better, I think, than often we can interpret what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have a cat dog client that kind of stands out in your mind that kind of taught you stuff? It could be your house too. Yeah. Um, that kind of gave you more insight into what's going on with them. Yeah. So I have a new client who's contacted me primarily for separation anxiety, but we have been talking about her dog and how to kind of manage with the cat. The dog's relatively new to the home, I think less than three months in the home. And the cats are still kind of sequestered away and still kind of freaked out about the dog and trying to teach them engage, disengage games with the dog in terms of I see the cat and the dog came from a, was cat tested or in a foster with cats. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that doesn't always translate. And you still got to do the work and just, I mean, it's really disruptive to have this household that's kind of crate and rotate or separate, keeping the animals separate. It's, it's a lifestyle change. It's stressful for the people as it is for mm-hmm. the animals, but kind of encouraging them to take things slowly and really listen to the animals and let the animals set the pace in terms of what they're comfortable with so that months down the road, you don't have to make a brand new reintroduction. You're just kind of like taking the little small steps and small wins and building from there. Yeah. For sure. I, it's always easier to go slow at first than to have to restart yes. with already negative associations. It's possible. I, yeah. I have people calling me saying they'd already don't like each other. Are we screwed? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily. It depends. Not necessarily. Yeah. Right. Right. Like everything in dog training, it depends. <laughs> it depends. I was going to say like those friend, those enemies to friend or enemies to lovers romance novels. Right. Right. I just, you'll have to, myself. you'll have to write a cartoon like that with dogs and cats. <laughs> yes. That will be like the best moneymaker of my whole business will be a really odd niche romance novel between dogs and cats okay <laughs> I love it <laughs> writing that down as my on my to-do list there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah so I think the the idea of expectation setting for humans is really important but also what you were talking about like this kind of stress management aspect of it and I think 
as a separation anxiety pro, you probably are uniquely positioned to talk about this a little bit because I'm assuming that a lot of what you do to coach people through separation anxiety is not just, okay, let's do five minute absences and then six minute absences or whatever, but it's to help the humans cope with the fact that they're going through, they have this crazy schedule and freaked out animal to manage. So do you have any tips for people who are struggling with animals who are not so great with dealing with physical management? (laughs) Um, I don't like being behind a baby gate. What am I Yes. And I I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot of the pandemic pups or the dogs adopted during the pandemic are having some frustration tolerance issues. If you have more than one person in the home and you can kind of spread the love in terms of we, we each take turns spending some quality time on the other side of the baby gate with the separated animals so that they don't feel like they're being cast aside completely or even if it's a in the case of a dog, or I guess a, a cat too, in the case of a cat, if you're comfortable having someone come into your home and spending some time with your cat while you go out and do something with your dog, or vice versa, if you're comfortable drop hiring, even if you don't need it, hire a dog walker to come and take your dog for a walk so that you can spend quality time with your cats or your other animals. And try, I mean, we're all spread so thin these days, but you know, just trying to carve out little moments of quality time. Like my cat, he's an old man kitty. He sleeps most of the day, but one thing he really likes is to come and sit on my lap in the morning while I watch the news. Those kind of little quiet moments that you can kind of sprinkle in throughout the day as often as you can and realize like all of the enrichment and all of this stuff doesn't have to come from you. You can hire out a dog walker, get a friend, drop your dog off to another dog friend's house or have somebody come in and play with your cat while you go do something. There are other things that you can do that don't always mean that you have to be providing that for your animal. That's a, those are a really good way to think about it, especially if you're just you right, mm-hmm. trying to outsource stuff when each yeah. animal has their own specific needs, it's it's not fair to you to take that all on yourself. Exactly, yeah. And I really like the idea of those quiet times. So one thing that I always talk about at the beginning of all of my programs is for, in order to create a good management plan, we have to identify like where the sticky spots are in your daily routine, where it's like every day when I try to go feed the dog, the cat comes also and everyone freaks out, for example. Right. Right. So we need to come up with a specific plan for those times to deal with that, to smooth out that sticky spot. Right. But I think the flip side of that is often forgotten where it's every day when I watch the news, my cat would get so much out of it if he was able to come sit on my lap. How can I come up with a plan to make that happen? Is that the time where Arrow gets a bully stick, right? Coming up with the the way to work your, not just physical management, but also just routine adjustment and using enrichment activities as part of your more active management plans to have everyone get what they need, quality over quantity, Right. In that way. I think that's, I think that's a really great way to to think about it. And also, I mean, the harsh reality is they won't be able to be with you 
all the time because they might have to be separated at least for some of the time. Right. So do you recommend for separation anxiety pups? I know a lot of people say you don't leave them alone Mm -hmm. um, until they can handle being left alone. Right. Um, And is that the same if you're home versus not home? What do you mean by that? So if a dog is, has separation anxiety Mm -hmm. and they freak out when you leave. Yeah. The house. Right. Okay. That's what we think of as separation anxiety. But if you need to have them behind a baby gate, but what, if anything, is the difference in how you might address that? Gotcha. Yeah, it's really depends on the dog. So some dogs are fine with being on the other side of a baby gate or being in a different part of the home. And some dogs aren't. So if the dog wasn't even capable of being in a separate part of the home, you would have to add that to the desensitization protocol in terms of also leaving the house, Mm. also being separated within the house different times. There's this, I took Julie Naismith's program and she talks about playing peekaboo where Mm. you hide around the corner, you pop your head out, your dog can see you're there. It's actually teaching object permanence to dogs Mm. where it's like, hey, I'm not always in the same room and it's okay You could also do some mat training or some station behavior training. And if they're comfortable laying on a mat or in their bed while they're on the other side of the gate, even though they're not loving it, they're like, okay, I know how to do this and nothing bad happens to me when when I do this. So so this is something I can do while you're on the other side. Yeah. And so I think that's really important, kind of adding in, from what I'm understanding, like mat training, like a relaxation protocol-esque thing where part of the distraction is you leave the room and then you come back. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's actually, that's great because that is, I teach that relaxation protocol thing as part of this kind of uncued settle that I was talking Mm -hmm. about before. And the magical thing about, so this is, I'm talking about relaxation protocol for people who don't know. It's like kind of uh, loosely based on Dr. Karen Overall's protocol for relaxation, which is literally like 15 pages of written out. Sit for five seconds. Sit while I clap my hands. Um, But the magic of that kind of structure is that you're able to think about what um, types of distractions your animal needs to learn to be okay with, or not necessarily distractions, triggers, right? You leaving, and you can work that into the protocol. So I have a protocol that's like cat dog specific, Mm -hmm. like the behaviors, the distractions are like trying to simulate the other animal moving around and stuff like that. And floor pools are great for that too. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the last day. It's like, can you leave a flirt pole that's moving away from you? Um, Everyone's my dog could never do that. I'm like, they will by day 15. But you know, but the separation version includes mm-hmm. leaving, coming back yes. <laughs> um, for certain amounts of time. So it's all variations on a theme that if you have different training goals, you can probably work them all into that same structure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a cool. big fan of the the relaxation protocol as well. I always incorporate it into the settle behavior too, because I think it's a life skill. Dogs and cats, but dogs need to learn how to settle with changes in the environment. And that's exactly what that protocol gets you. Yeah, for sure. I um, will link to the PDF in the show notes for everyone. That's like the original, the OG version. And 
a lot of different trainers have their own versions, but yeah. like I said, I have a I have a cat dog specific That's, one, which is pretty fun. Yeah. One of the distractions involves walking away while meowing. <laughs> Uh, that's great (laughs) like people are like they're gonna the dog's gonna know that you're not the cat i'm like that's not the point right right. it's obviously you're not the cat yes it's not novel it's just something weird exactly it's just something weird cool so is there anything that you feel like someone is thinking about adding another species to their home and they're being good, proactive animal guardians, and they're trying to learn as much as possible, what should they keep in mind as they're going through that process? Right. Well, consider your resident animal and do they want another species living there? (laughs) And consider the animal you're bringing in. Do they have any experience with how are they How resilient do you think your animals are? Do you think the potential adoption animal is? Because you're going to need fairly resilient animals. Be prepared to go slowly. Think of how long you would be willing to tolerate working on this and then probably double it and say, am I okay with that amount of time? If it took that amount of time, would that be a deal breaker for me? And of course, have your management plan in place before for bringing the animal home. If there's any way to introduce the animals, maybe at the shelter, if that's a possibility, if you're thinking of bringing a cat in and you have a dog, maybe, but you know, that may or may not be indicated as well. So that's what I would say. I I always love when people are proactive and say, I'm going to do this what are your tips? Yes. So much. Yes. Definitely reach out to a trainer. Um, (laughs) Just in general with now everybody's got wait lists. So reach out to your potential Mm -hmm. trainer sooner than later and say, Hey, I'm thinking of adopting this animal. What do you think? Would you be willing to watch video? Would you be willing to kind of come over on day one and help me through this for sure? Yeah. We love video. Trainers love us some good video. I'm just so, I'm so happy that everyone has a video camera in their pocket now. It just makes my yes. So <laughs> I'm like, whip out your phone. Show me. Exactly. <laughs> video. It's, it's better than what you could describe because you might not have the language or the words to tell us what you're seeing. And, and then we can see it as it's really happening. Yeah, Exactly. So thank you, Jackie, so, so much. I had a blast talking to you. For anyone in the Silver Spring area slash the world, because you do work online as well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yes. So through my website, behaviorunited.com, you can email me. I'm Jackie at behaviorunited.com. Social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, I'm at behaviorunited. So easy. I love when it's all the same. <laughs> yes. And I will also, I'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. Jackie, you. you're fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. And if this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app.
Your support helps other cat and dog people find the show and learn all about both species. You can also follow me on Instagram at praiseworthypets. I'd love to hear your suggestions who I should interview next. And if your pets aren't getting along and you don't know where to start, I'm opening up a new course in early 2022 that takes you step-by-step through the pets process from establishing your management plan through to training your core behaviors and how to create setups that will take your pets from cranky to coexisting. So go to praiseworthypets.com slash course to get on the wait list. And that's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Thank you again, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you.